0: Greetings, friends, and we are back with another episode of the Encouraging Word. It's been a while; uh, we've missed you all terribly. We uh, we certainly have a, a fondness for our audience, even if we don't always necessarily know who you are. Uh, we know that uh, <laughs> we know that that you're a wonderful group of folks, and that you're on this journey with us. So uh, we do feel that that uh, sense of of uh, connection with you, and so when we're away for a while, we miss you, but. We're back in the saddle. Um, we're back, ready to launch another season of the Encouraging Word Podcast. And uh, Stephen is here with me. Say hello, Stephen. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Stephen. This <laughs> is uh, just, just uh, peppy as ever. <laughs> yeah, and right. and uh, we, so we're we're gonna dig right into things here. We we have a, a new series. Uh, Stephen and I really got our our ducks in a row this year. We sat down and did some planning, and and we have a number of series that we're going to. Uh, follow throughout the year and uh, hopefully we'll we'll keep you on your toes and bounce around in some different topics that will be of interest to you but we're going to start off uh, the year with a a deep dive I guess so to speak into um, the first couple of books or the first couple of books first couple of chapters of the the book of uh, Genesis uh, Book of Genesis is really the, the foundation, lays the, the foundation for so many of the themes that, that run thick throughout all of scripture. And uh, Steve has got me into listening to podcasts a, a lot more. I'm, I'm trying to enter the 21st century here. And, and uh, over the last couple of years, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, a lot of them on, you know, biblical content and such. And Genesis uh, Genesis one in particular is a, a hot topic because um, so many biblical scholars recognize the the importance of uh, this this as a foundation to all of Scripture and so many of the once again the the themes that uh, are carried through the New Testament and represented by Jesus in His ministry uh, the foundation is laid right here in Genesis one so uh, we're going to take some time to dig into it with you. Um, one of the things we're trying to do as we, as we record is um, be as conversational as we can. We don't want this to come across as a, a lecture. Um, so it's a full disclosure, what that means is uh, Stephen and I are not <laughs> scholars. We're not, we're not qualified to, to lecture you on most of the subjects that we cover. Um, so there will be a lot of times that we'll acknowledge we, we don't know the answer. We'll, we'll share things maybe that we've heard that we understand a, a portion of um and uh we're still learning and growing and if you have specific questions feel free to to shout them out um in the chat and we'll happily dig up answers but uh, this is more just chatting our way through genesis one but before we get to work on that we have our uh, fit segment a lot has happened uh, steve and i recognize from the last time that we were with you uh in our lives so we got a, a lot to pick from, which is why my choice of what to share with you is probably gonna feel like a bit of a downer, because <laughs> <laughs> a lot more exciting things probably have happened. But this is the first thing that popped into my head. So we, uh, for the first time in a number of years, have uh, decided, really spontaneously, uh, to plant some um, some vegetable plants in our yard this year. Uh, actually, like grass. <laughs> like grass yes oh, oh vegetables. yeah we've never done grass plant? before uh we thought now is a good time to <laughs> <laughs> no actual like a fruit bearing plants you know okay. is, i'm setting up the theme for genesis here too on some oh, level there you go. um actually one vegetable and one fruit plant um i i got uh quinn for i think it was uh mother's day a raspberry plant and has uh, yet to bear fruit but we got that planted the uh, tomato plant, on the other hand, is a unique story. So uh, somehow our family acquired a packet of tomato seeds, and my son uh, decided that he wanted to grow tomatoes. Something we wanted to encourage. Uh, he thought it'd be fun to, to uh, go through that experience and take charge of it. So life changing
1: experience. It really, it Growing really tomatoes. is. Yes, yeah.
0: yes. If you've never done it before, um, you're missing out. So in all of his wisdom, he decided to. Uh, pour the whole packet of seeds into a very small pot, like the size of a Dixie cup or something. <laughs> and it started to grow this, this tomato plant. Um, and uh, since then, we've transferred it twice, I think, to larger pots, and now in, into the ground. And it's starting to produce some, some tomatoes, but it's it, an interesting effect um, when you plant about 30 seeds or so you know, in, one, in one small uh, area. Uh, essentially, as one almost like mutant plant that's taking over the entire side uh, mm. garden of our yard, mm. and it's a, a sight to see. Um, it hasn't produced as many tomatoes as you would think, but the, the vines are just growing all over the place, so uh, that's mutant
1: like you said, it's
0: mutant like, it, nice. yeah, it feels like. like Twenty plants fused together. I tried sure. to stake it up to keep the tomatoes off the ground, but there's like too much to stake, <laughs> so it's, it's too much it's at just stake. Too <laughs> yes, far too much <laughs> at stake uh, to, to, to um, yeah to mess around with that. So so that's my uh, fit. Uh, I'm sure Steven has something a little bit more interesting from yeah. his uh, recent past here.
1: I don't know if I do, but I want to just kind of. Um, I'm also growing plants. Um, They're legal (laughs) Legal
0: plants. Thank you for clarifying. We we all were (laughs) convinced uh,
1: otherwise, but yes. Um, I'm actually growing bonsai trees. So I had the first sprout. So I planted four different ones and then two of them, two of the bonsai tree types have sprouted and the other two haven't. So I think I'm gonna have to replant those. Um, But yeah, I'm trying to grow some bonsais and Make it into a small business, you know, and start cashing in eventually for uh, my kids' college funds, and so um, just be on the lookout for this. This podcast will soon be advertised or uh, sponsored by my bonsai tree company. So. Is that what you're gonna call it? My bonsai. <laughs> my tree? Bonsai. Yeah, that's a good idea. Is there a market Called my for my bonsai? Yeah. Bon- is bon- yeah.
0: bonsai a thing or
1: just bonsai? Yeah, they're the tree? little the little trees that.
0: So it's that a tree that produces trees.
1: It doesn't really. I, I do wonder how they get bonsai tree seeds because I've had bonsai trees, but I don't. Where you get the seeds from? Anyways, that's a mystery for. Ever for leave a comment below for uh, <laughs> if you if you know where bonsai tree seeds come from, which I'm assuming they come from bonsai <laughs> trees. <laughs> oh, which uh, yeah, this this is good. Bad. All right, my fit segment is um... we our family. We recently. Um, or we are had a, added a new addition to the family, and uh, it's it's a dog, not a human, no humans are coming, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, his name's Ollie, and he's an Aussie Doodle, and he's been really great. He's been I tell people he's the perfect balance between uh, playfulness and just chillness. Just he's just really calm, so. He'll go out and he'll play catch and he'll run around the fields, run around the baseball fields and just be kind of like puppy ish, but not he he'll come and he'll listen and he stays by your side for the most part. He's great for walks and stuff um but then when we're inside, he'll run around with the girls and but when everyone else is sitting or when we sit to eat dinner, he actually he might beg a little bit, but eventually he <laughs> realizes he's not getting any food, and he'll just sit, he'll just sit on the couch or if we're or if we're all just at home, just sitting on the couch and not doing much, he'll just lay on the ground or lay next to you. Or so he is. He's really good at being balanced um, between being playful and and not being super playful. And he's great with the girls. They like to boss him around. And <laughs> <laughs> so, especially my youngest now, she doesn't feel like she's the youngest. She can boss the dog around now, and she's no longer the youngest in the family. So. Um, she's like that—that that sense of power now. So, um, Does yeah. All
0: they play the things that the girls like to play. Like, do they play dress up? And right. Like
1: tea parties. And they haven't dressed them up yet, um, but they do like to act like dogs. Which uh-huh. they acted like dogs all the time before, and I was hoping it would stop them from acting like dogs. But now they still act like dogs, even though we have a dog. So, <laughs> I'm like, you don't need to act like dogs anymore. We have a dog, but. They love to act like dogs around the dog, so, uh, yeah, and also it's it's been kind of cute. They like to take care of him so much that they fight over who gets to pick up the poop. So uh, the <laughs> See girls how long have that lasts. yeah right exactly the girls like to fight over like oh she got to pick up the poop last time it's my turn to do it and and I'm not even making this is legit what happens and then actually yesterday my youngest um we tied off the poop bag but she like she was using the poop bag as like a she's like it's like a helicopter and she's spinning the poop bag in the air and playing with it and one one day she squeezed it and said it was squishy and (laughs) so it's (laughs) it's a little disturbing i know this is i know this is some uh filthy content right now so yeah we should have Um. (laughs) warning at the beginning (laughs) We we're, right, were talking exactly. about illegal plants right, and the right. squishy poop bags. Bag. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is content I'm going to use when they turn 18 and when they graduate. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> so uh, yeah, new member of the family. That's my fit. Welcome, Molly. Right. And you guys recently got a dog. Well, yours is almost a year, right?
0: Yeah, we, we got ours in December. Right. So, it's um, coming up on a year. Yeah, so I understand better why you guys got one now.
1: <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> kind of a
0: jealousy thing but that's okay all right yeah yeah jealousy thing. <laughs> yeah we were so jealous we were yeah dark.
1: see all right um so we have as what paul had said we're going to be starting a series on genesis we're going to look at genesis chapter 1 2 and 3 this podcast is going to be on genesis 1 um, as Paul and I were preparing for this uh, podcast, we realized just how much content <laughs> is in Genesis. Um, we talked about you could even have a podcast on each day of Genesis, which actually would be kind of fun to do. We had said, but uh, it's just it's just a reminder: just Genesis is chock full of content, and I would argue that um, much of the Bible, after Genesis one and three, m- much of the Bible can be pointed back to Genesis one and three. Mm. So Genesis 1 and 3 is at least the foundation for, I would say, the whole of Scripture. Um, and um, we'll probably talk some more about that through, as the series goes on, but you can almost point back to every book in the Bible and in some way points back to Genesis 1 and 3. Now, one is obviously sin, which is problem we're still dealing with now, but so many different things. So what we're going to do, I'm going to read, uh, or we're both going to read, um, Genesis chapter 1, I'll read a portion, and then Paul will read a portion. And then after that, um, we're going to um, just kind of share our thoughts on Genesis um, chapter 1. And like we said, there's just so much to talk about. So we're just going to kind of have um, have you guys listen in on just a chat that we're going to have about our thoughts about it and um, what we pulled from the text as we both spent time studying it. Um, we did use resources. I, I have study Bible. We have used other resources online. So um, anything that sounds really intelligent is probably from one of our sources, <laughs> and anything that sounds really silly is probably from Paul yeah, and I. So Paul goes. and I. See. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. I I don't say everything's intelligent all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so <you> <laughs> so we're gonna be. I'll read. I'll start off and then Paul will finish off the chapter. So, I am reading from the NLT version, not to be confused with BLT. This is NLT. So, what version do you have?
0: I have the NIV in front of me, right? I kind of feel pressure to pull up the NLT. Maybe no, you know, that. I think it's
1: good to have different two different translations oh, to, no, to here hear two you. different perspectives. Excuse so. me. Okay. Yeah. I also have an ESV here on the side, so if you want to get crazy, we can just throw different all different kinds of translations ESV, out there. So. The extra super version. Right. What's yeah. that stand for? Uh, study Bible? What? <laughs> oh, <laughs> the e, what does ESV stand for? <laughs> right. Yeah. English Standard Version. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And NLT is... New Living Translation, which we could probably do a podcast on Bible translation. That's not
0: a bad idea. That is.
1: That's a really good idea. Yeah. Um, anyways, we've digressed. So, I'll start Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed, and morning came. Marking the second day. Then God said, Let the waters beneath the sky float together into one place, so that dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land, and the waters sea. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land sprout forth vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant. And the trees that grew, and the trees that grew seed-bearing fruit. Um These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came, and that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the third day.
0: And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds of the air, and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. All right uh, so we we did uh, curl around into chapter two there because it seems silly to leave off the (laughs) last day of creation even though it's a a day set apart um, for something that's not uh, actively creation, and uh, a day that deserves some attention. Uh, We do have limited time today, so we're going to plug right in, and and, um, anything we don't get to, uh, we'll have to come back at you later, uh, maybe in a different podcast. But let's start start early in Chapter 1 here and start looking at these days of creation. Um, One uh, initial thought, Stephen, that uh, I encountered a lot when I was doing, I guess what you'll call research about this, um was this emphasis on the fact you know we you and I are sitting here it's 2022 we're reading this and uh, most people nowadays that read the story of creation uh come at it as um you know modern day readers trying to figure out like what is our origin what uh you know the beginning of, of time the beginning of uh the world how did things come to be and, you know, of course, anybody who reads it is going to draw that from it. But one of the things that was emphasized in several of the resources mm-hmm. I turned to was this notion that I tend to forget for whatever reason in this story more than mm-hmm. any others, is that this, this passage was initially um, written and handed to the early Israelites. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess it, it makes sense to talk a little bit about authorship um, so we know exactly when and, and where this is coming from. Yeah. But uh, most uh, most uh, scholars agree that the first five books of the Bible were written by Moses. There's mm-hmm. all sorts of other theories floating around out there, but there's some consensus around that, except for the end of um Deuteronomy, yeah, right. <laughs> when when Moses dies. Right. You know, it'd be kinda awkward for him to write and I and I died and right. uh, was buried here. So right. Uh, but aside from those, those few verses pertaining to his death, we get Moses probably authoring this. And timeline-wise, I, I think um, the also general consensus is that this was written uh, probably during the, the time of wandering in the wilderness. But Moses yeah. presents this uh, perhaps to the people when they're really being established as a nation, maybe in the, the right. promised land. This is one of the first gifts they receive from God is this, this story of their origin Right. And to place it in its proper context, you get these people who had just spent 400 years in slavery being belittled and abused right. and told how worthless, you know, they are. Um, and they had no real identity. They had no uh, communication from their God in, in all those years. And all of a sudden, everything changes. They're they're pulled out of, so they're rescued, freed from slavery by Moses and uh, God through Moses. and. <laughs> And they start fresh, and I feel like this passage, uh, Genesis, you know, one in particular is is giving them their identity. It's helping re inject some value, some meaning into their lives. Recognition of who they are, where they came from, who their God is, why they exist. Uh, and so, one of the things I came across repeatedly is this notion: that we got to read it through that that lens. We got to oh, yeah. recognize this was not initially written for us, it's meant for us as well, but the initial you know, writing was intended for the right. early Israelites. Right.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think um, when you're looking at this text is that um, it's definitely written for the Israelite people, and it helps, this text is giving them really an identity of who they are. Um, I agree with what Paul, what, what you said about um, the first five books being written by Moses, um, but I would also say that these... But even before Moses, there was an oral t- tradition that was passed along. And, and I know in our Western society, when we hear oral tradition, we're like, oh, well, it must not be like as concrete as something written down. Um, but we have to, we have to re- again, remember that this is an ancient culture, and the oral tradition was much more, was stronger and much more intact than what we would think of an oral tradition. As a matter of fact, though, even, <laughs> what's funny, like, even in our Western culture, and we have things written down, um, you still have different viewpoints. So like you could take one event and five different authors write about that event, you're gonna get five different perspectives. So mm-hmm. um, even in our even in our Western context, which we which we like to believe is so rock solid, there are still you still have different viewpoints on the same thing. Like so I, I believe we can fully trust here on um, the content that, that we are reading. Um, this content that was first used and is still used really to form the Jewish people, it's how they get their identity and many of the things that we read here in Genesis um, finds a lot of similarities with other ancient texts during the time um, a lot of other ancient societies had their own oral traditions as well and and, and, and texts here and there and and as scholars, especially archaeologists I know I pronounced that wrong but Anyways, but they they realize and discover that a lot of there's a lot of similarities, um, but there's also major major differences between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the ancient peoples around them. Um, so as we look into uh, Genesis chapter one, we're going to start to uh, we'll dive into a few of these um, differences between um, the God of Israel and the God of ancient ancient cultures around them, um, and we're just going to look into just the things that make Genesis chapter 1 so very unique. Um, there's just a lot of fun things, really, um, to discuss. And again, as I said before, a lot of the things in here are going to point to um, the rest of Scripture. First thing um, we're going to look at here in Genesis chapter 1 is in the beginning, God created. So actually, we actually going to look at in the beginning, God, period. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we look at In the beginning, it's just God. God is before all things. God is not created. Um, He is the source of all creation, and everything comes into existence from God. And I think it's just really hard for us to comprehend that as finite creatures, for us to comprehend something that's infinite. Um, That God does not have a beginning nor an end. You know, it's just God. This has always been God. And I think a lot it's just really hard for us because we debate about the beginning of the universe and and everything has a beginning stars and galaxies and uni- like matter of fact science talks about um the multiverse and different universes and a universal machine thing and the the theories can get kind of out of whack but it's we just have a hard time understanding that there was something that there has always been something that was not created um, we as creatures that have been created and everything else that has a beginning, it's just really kind of hard, um, hard to comprehend, ha- comprehend that. I mean, you can just stay up <laughs> late into the night thinking about that there is a being that existed, that has always existed. Um, and I, I think it's kind of fun to um, think about that, actually, to think deeply about that. And I think it gives you a nice, a good reverence and respect for God. Um, and it also, I think it gives you um, makes you think about the privilege and how awesome it is to have a relationship with God, a being that is infinite and has always existed, is having a relationship with you. So, um, what are your thoughts about that, Paul? You, you kind of you lay up at night, think about that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is mind blowing. Um,
0: absolutely. It's I, I try to I always try to put it in uh, perspective I can understand. Like if I right. were. <clears throat> to try to initiate a relationship with, an like a an ant that had just been hatched from its egg
1: or something. <laughs> like You're talking about I, like an ant that crawls on the ground, not like your ant. Pretty right? sure, yeah. Okay. Pretty like, okay. <laughs> sure that's what I was going for. Okay. Yeah, that
0: would be an interesting <laughs> image. But um, you know, being a person who's been alive for a number of years, not nothing uh, close to you know God scale, but. And, and then this uh, really, you know, fragile, just simplistic creature that, you know, takes its first breath and I'm, I'm seeking relationship with it and, and really what God was doing with humanity. And I know we're jumping around, I guess, but was uh, trying to bring humanity into a relationship in which uh, we served alongside him. And so not only is God this this infinite being that is lives outside of time, but uh, he wants to to turn over that amount of power and responsibility to us, and privilege of being able to serve, and really function um, with him and almost like him, even though uh, there's a, a clear distinction to be made between you know God and humanity. But uh, we'll we'll build towards build towards that a little bit. But I love that you started with in the beginning God, <laughs> and, right. uh, because I, I think. Those are um, the the first four words of Scripture really lay the foundation for everything. Then God created. There's no question that right. um, the world we live in was created by God. We can have all sorts of conversations about what that looked like, um, but right. everything does point to an ultimate creator. Right. And, you know, I got to thinking when it uses the word beginning, it's almost a contradiction to say that there was a beginning when there has always been God. So I guess, I don't know what you think when it uses the word beginning I'm assuming it's referring to our beginning at right. beginning good, of, yeah, yeah, yeah human life or, right. or the world as right. it's been created right and all of uh, creation is really just bringing this is the image we're given bringing order into chaos and right. um, oddly enough that ends up being really a theme that is present throughout scripture in creation God you know steps into this this chaotic realm and, and brings right. order and structure uh, into it and that's what he's trying to do with the, the chaos of our sin and our waywardness throughout all of uh, scripture all of human history is, is try and bring order and, and meaning and purpose into it um, and he lays the foundation for doing just that in creation itself
1: yeah i like i never thought about that actually here so i'm learning something new right now well not new but Thinking more deeply in the beginning doesn't mean in the beginning of God's existence. It means in the beginning of our existence, mm-hmm. um, God never had a beginning. <laughs> this, that's even thinking about that, that God never had a beginning. He just is. You know, it's just that's incredible to think about that there is no beginning to God. He was never young. He was never old. He just is right. Mm-hmm. He just is. It's just that that concept is pretty mind blowing for sure. Um, one of the things when I was doing research and reading on Genesis chapter one is, is that almost every ancient culture or religion has its own stories to explain how the earth or how the universe came into existence. And I think the theories that fly around in our world today of the Big Bang and, and multiverse, or like a universe creating machine, like, we all have these theories about from ancient to modern times, we all have these theories, and across cultures and religions, there are many theories and ideas of how did we come to a beginning, which, again, I, th- I think that accounts for us as human beings having this religious nature in us, whether you're atheist or you're a Buddhist or whatever, within, our, within what it means to be human, we all have this longing and wondering, how did it all begin? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one thing as human beings that kind of <laughs> keeps us, kind of ties us all together that we're all seeking this beginning. There is some beginning that we are longing and looking to. Um, and this is, and scripture gives um, its answer to, and what I believe the beginning is, is, is God. Um, but as you look through cultures throughout time, as today and, and, and in the many years past and centuries past, all cultures were seeking the answer to answer that question. How we came to existence, what was the beginning, Um, and I obviously believe (laughs) in Scripture's answer to that question.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I'm glad you brought up the uh, notion of other cultures and other people groups developing their own creation stories, because actually, I think that ends up being a point of criticism for a lot of people towards Christianity. Yeah, um, that. You know the the impression people have is that oh you know and when, when the the Israelites um, became a people group and uh, they started to ask these same questions that you uh, just just shared are, are very natural to uh, I guess human nature. <clears throat> Where did we come from? Uh, what's our origin story? Um, they mm-hmm. looked around them at the other <laughs> other cultures and they said oh we we need to create a story of our own and so mm-hmm. they you know out came this this. Uh, this saga of of god this god uh, single god creating uh, the universe and the the days of creation and such and then um not just a creation story and another one that uh, a lot of other cultures have is a a flood narrative or or kind of a a destruction of the world (laughs) narrative kind of an anti-creation and um and christianity obviously has that as well but uh, one of the concepts I, i came across <clears throat> from, um, from a podcast I think I was listening to was that, um, you know, the, the response to that criticism isn't to look to the, the story of creation in the Bible and the flood in the Bible and, and ask, you know, uh, why are we repeating or, or mimicking other cultures? It's, uh, it's trusting that these are authentic and true. And what we should be looking for is what sets our, creation narrative apart uh from right. others what sets our flood narrative apart from others right. and for example our creation narrative we're, we are created by a, a single um a god that exists outside of time and, and space right. which uh, i don't think like any of the other gods they, they seem to all have some sort of limitation mm-hmm. right um and and um our right. god has no weakness and our god not only chose to create us he chose to create us as objects of love not right. as uh pawns to be moved about right. on his his board of power or whatever and right. and to share um his uh blessings with us and and uh authority over creation with with us and i can't imagine any other uh people group has has that uh, distinction of uh, god right. wanting to invite humanity to be part of ruling the world uh, alongside um the god and, and then the flood narrative has unique aspects uh in our scripture as well but that's not our focus today but you know, that would be my push back on, on those uh, right. criticisms is look for what's unique about it, and
1: uh, that's what sets our, our faith apart um, from others and other false beliefs. Right. And I was most of the ancient beliefs about the beginning were pretty violent. Um, and like you said, that <clears throat> human beings were not really created to reign with God, they're really created to um, be enslaved. They're mm-hmm. kind of like the gods were like, oh, it's create a bunch of slaves, and let's call them human beings, and they have them serve us. Um, where God's like, hey, I'm going to create human beings, and they'll reign alongside me. Um, yet we still serve God in a much different manner as, not slaves, but um, reigning with God over creation. Um, and also, too, I would argue that our modern myth of belief in... Um, the Big Bang Theory and stuff, it, it doesn't have, there's no love, like you said. It, it's just, it's just purely a bang happened. Things went from chaotic to order and things are going back to disorder. I mean, it just, there's no intention, there's no purpose, there's no motive. Things just banged. It, it, you know, it just, it lacks any sense of, and that's another thing about our creation story. There's unity, there's order, there's peace, there's love. We're like a Big Bang Theory. It's just, Just things just come into existence with no intentionality. It's just kind of out of nowhere. Um, And and I would just argue. I feel like the world we live in is filled with intentionality and purpose and love and meaning. And how can a a universe like this or a world like this exist if the world came into existence without any of these things being uh, coming about? Right. It's. I think. I think the love and peace and that human nature that we have has to be drawn from some sort of being i think it to be honest i think it takes more faith to be an atheist to believe in something just coming out of nothing is to believe that there's some sort of creator now we can agree that there's a creator but who is the creator and how you define the creator and stuff is is a different question Mm -hmm. um yeah and then going back to what paul had said too about Um, It was chaotic, and you read about how the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Um, The study that I um, did said the image of the Spirit of God hovering over Earth's surface is similar to a mother bird um, caring for and protecting its young. So, like, the, the same language is used in God as he's calming the waters. And I know Paul's mentioned the flood narrative a lot, and this was interesting when I researched it, but Um, Genesis shows that God is um, restraining chaos by prescribing boundaries for the sea and and the land. But the flood, an act of God's judgment, undid all the boundaries and returned the earth back to chaos. Mm -hmm. Um, And I never thought of seeing the flood in that way. That it was the flood flooded the whole earth according to scripture. And I never thought about it returning it to a state of chaos. And then God, again, putting order back in place. And that was interesting viewpoint so that just and i'm i'm gonna make something up now
0: that's probably (laughs) totally um illogical and really the connection does not exist and i'm pulling it out of nowhere but um i think it's interesting We, we have this image of the the spirit um hovering over the deep hovering over the the waters and the darkness and uh the image of almost the the spirit in in flight right and you, you know talk right. about the flood being uh kind of an anti-creation and a bringing uh right. chaos back into the order so that god can hit the reboot button which is essentially uh the more research i do i, I do the more i see the flood uh as as that the more i see god's mm-hmm. covenant with abraham and then uh right. on down the line with moses right. and, and like everything is just a a reboot of God uh, coming back over and over and over into right. creation, into uh, His people, and, and bringing about a, a new um, relationship and a new attempt at, uh, at recreating the bliss of of the garden. Everything's about getting back to the garden. Uh, but anyhow, the <clears throat> the spirit, the image of the spirit hovering over the waters initially, and then you connect that to the end of the flood um, when. You know, in creation, the spirit's hovering over the waters, bringing uh, order into chaos. And then at the end of the flood, it's once again the image of a dove, right? And, and the dove is, is connected to the spirit and scripture. And the dove is, is what brings the sign that uh, order is going to be brought into the chaos of the flood in that, in that uh, initial reboot of creation. So I, I know, there's just so many links when you start peeling back layers right. here. It's right. absolutely incredible. Right i don't know if you want to talk uh maybe at some somewhere you wanted to go or if we start looking at the days of creation a little bit so. yeah
1: yeah we can definitely do that um again i think the days of creation speak to the order of god and that each day um of creation which i don't know if do you want to talk about um kind of the debate was it 24 hour day was it infinite amount of days <laughs> I, I don't know like where where do you particularly stand on that? Yeah,
0: that's a that's a tough one. So, <laughs> right. um, so I guess early in my life, I, I was a there's a certain terms for these these yeah. belief structures, right? right? I I guess I was maybe what I'll call a literalist. I was <clears throat> believed in a literal twenty four hour day, um, and then you know, I guess I encountered enough things throughout my life that I started to question that. And and I never questioned uh, that God created. I never questioned, I never questioned that scripture was still accurate. Um, It was just a a questioning of whether, you know, how science and and creation and and God's uh, actual creating uh, process interacted and, and overlapped here. But, um, I do have some, some questions that I haven't gotten answers yet to for when it comes to the literal 24-hour uh, day period, um, and I'm perfectly fine with that, uh, but oh, yeah. uh, I have some questions that go the other way too. Like right. uh, one of the things I encountered recently is something about, um, uh, I think it, plants are created on day three or something, Yeah. and then the, the sun and the moon aren't created till day four. So if you're going to create plants on day three, uh what in the world is going to keep those plants alive for the thousand and billion years <laughs> between right. that some people believe right. occur between the days if there's no sun right. I mean, so just a, i don't know that's right. just a passing criticism that i've heard but i honestly i i waffle back and forth and i've kind of i'm kind of open to either at the moment
1: right well i mean i guess you could technically say that there's light on day 1 yeah the light that, could have provided
0: which begs another question, what is that light if it's not the sun and the moon, Stephen? Right, right. yeah, what's, what's going I don't know, that's, on there? Yeah, that's a
1: great question. Um, <laughs> like, it just says, let there be light, and there's light. Like, uh-huh. literally light. You know, I don't Yep. Sometimes <laughs> I, don't know I wonder the if source... there's, like,
0: a spiritual light. Right. So, you know, the rest of scripture is always about light and darkness in a spiritual
1: sense. Hmm. But, I really, uh, I, I don't right. know. That's why I said at the beginning of this podcast, that we could just do a podcast on each one of the days. um, (laughs) Right. Because each day offers its own discussion points. And as you said, light and darkness is a a major theme throughout all of scripture. Mm -hmm. And matter of fact, each one of these days, you can find something in scripture that speaks to um, something in each one of these days. Um, But yeah, I kind of, I I think I'm pretty similar to you. For me, it's, it's not one of those um, hills you die on per se, no, that no. that it's so important to your faith that you have to, I mean there are more important things than whether it was 24 or or so many few billion years or infinite amount of time, I, I'm not sure um, <clears throat> I mean obviously like you said, the most important thing is I do believe God is the creator obviously, mm-hmm. um, for sure and, and I Many people that I've listened to, too, have said that's kind of the intent that the biblical writers weren't scientists and they weren't necessarily trying to make scientific proof claims. They're actually, this is more a poetry, a poetry of God's creating than it is a specific exact way. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I could go either way. <clears throat> it's just, it's not a deal breaker for me. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's, I also find it interesting. Like I, I have way more questions than I have answers here. Um, but like on the fourth day is when once again, the sun and the moon were created and, and the intent seems to be to create a system for timekeeping. Um, right, yeah. you know that God wanted humanity to have this system yeah. for timekeeping. But that comes in day four. Yeah. And of course, some people make the assumption that uh, that's when the 24 hour day became a thing. You know, so yeah. was it a thing in day three? You know, maybe, maybe everybody's right. got it wrong. And the first three days took uh, 10 billion years. And right. then the next three days took uh, 72 hours. So maybe right. we finally encountered the truth.
1: I then, don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, those are all those are all great questions. And this yeah. is, I think it's just fun. I think it's fun to ponder those things and, and thinking deeply about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. you
0: hope you have the, the faith that it's not like you said it's not a deal breaker no. for you because if yeah. if uh you know if it was essential enough to our faith and to our understanding of who God is and who we right. are and what our purpose is right. and it would have been um you know would have been described in a way so that there was no question right. um, in scripture but that's not the case and it's not the case here it's not the case in a lot of places in scripture right. we we're, we're allowed or in fact encouraged to to uh discuss and debate and and uh work through some of this God inten- intentionally leaves us in the dark uh, no pun intended um <laughs> right. you know Jesus even in his ministry is going around using metaphors sometimes he says intentionally to keep the people confused because they're not ready to understand right. so right. I'm okay
1: um not feeling 100% confident either right. way and these these are really, the uh, I think these are the things too that um I think draw draw you close to god and and desiring to learn, desiring to know God, and also for me, thinking of this is kind of I don't know right way of putting it. it this is kind of like what heaven is. It's like being in the presence of God, and you ask him like, how exactly did you create everything and mm-hmm. and he takes you over to some like theater or something you watch the creation <laughs> I, don't, I don't know like um these these are things that. I think we will one day have answers to, you, but on this side of eternity, we just don't. And and I think that's fine to not have an answer for everything because I think that's what drives human curiosity yeah. as well.
0: I think when we get to watch that movie, it's just going to be a replaying of the chronicles of Narnia <laughs> and the creation, yeah, right. scene, which you. is a fantastic depiction. I think. Right. Yeah. It's I... any truth or not.
1: I do like uh, C.S. Lewis's depiction of creation. It's yeah. like kind of like it was done musically, right? Yes, it's kinda, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Aslan sings, or yeah. somehow like, sings right. musically, brings creation right. into being. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's pretty cool. neat. Check yeah. that out if anyone has a chance. It's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, looking at the days, I, that's, I mean, it's interesting. The vegetation comes before, um, before sun, moon, and stars. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think the biggest thing about creation is... The human creation in day six, um, because I, I think it's just kind of every each day it's just adding a little bit more, yeah. It's like it. the climax, right? right? So
0: you're building towards right, and that's why every day, evening and morning, is, is good, but right. when you get to the creation of humanity, it's all of a sudden it's very good, there's, right? There's a descriptor put in
1: there, right? So, and this, yeah, I think we can just jump to day six because, yeah, that's where a lot of the heavy lifting is done. And I would also make the point, too, it's almost like, like you said, it's like the world is designed for the pinnacle moment in which human beings are designed. And, right. and I've heard people say that some people don't, I don't know, if on TV and stuff, that the Bible gives human beings too much authority and power. But I would argue, actually, that um, we... God has given us the authority to reign over creation, not in the sense that we crush it, but in the sense that we are meant to be gardeners of it. That we exactly. that we were to be gardeners of this beautiful creation that God has entrusted to us. Mm-hmm. Um and that we are to be the ones that are the ones that take care of the animals and the plants and, and vegetation, all that stuff. And and I do think when I think deeply about this, we as human beings do have the ability to drastically change creation you know and i don't know where people stand on global warming or not but that but i think we do have um what we have created in cars and factories whatever like that does affect our our climate and cultures um but also just matter of fact (laughs) not to get too many weeds but we own enough uh in the world we have enough nuclear weapons to completely annihilate earth right we have enough to blow up earth so we as human beings collectively do have the power to alter the found the foundations of the earth, and you know, we could completely annihilate it. I think I think that's just testament to we as human beings collectively do reign have a reigning um, nature over creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's uh, I don't know. A thought just popped
0: into my head, and it doesn't sound as glorious as it as it did in my head now that I'm about to say <laughs> it out loud, but it's almost like God created us to be middle management. Right. Um, yeah. He wanted us yeah. to have, but in the, the most beautiful way ever, most people think right. middle management is a horrible place to be, but uh, he, he wanted us to really have the experience of um, looking at the world and caring for the world as uh, he does. Right. Um, he right. wanted us to love and care for and provide for the world and nurture it and uh and the people in it and our fellow uh human beings in it in the same way that he did always understanding that we are not gods um, but god is out of his love inviting us into that experience because it is a a powerful meaningful experience he wanted us to have a purpose um, that would match that that of his own and uh, i think it's another interesting point is is uh, a lot of people say that work is like off the devil <laughs> but right. you know we get to day six and God creates humanity right. and then he uh, immediately um, after uh, actually I'll make that point in a second immediately he puts us to work right, He's, right. he sends us out in the garden and say hey your job is take care of this place and take care of these animals right. And, right. Um, and so I think uh, very purposeful meaningful work um and mm-hmm. labor is exactly what god right. intended us for uh because right. it's fulfilling it's rewarding it's it's beautiful it's it's uh it's character building it's it's relational in in a right. sense when you pull other people into it right um so that's why god created us to have that right. experience to be objects of his love but also to uh to extend that love to the right. world around us just as he does and
1: and the people around us right. as well. well i mean i i would uh, yeah, work is not evil. Matter- work became a problem after <laughs> which we'll get to in later podcasts, but after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and, and God curses the soil that we work on and all that stuff, like work became more of a toil after the fall. But yeah, I mean you talk about people who I always love to talk to people talk to people about who have a passion for their job and, and you just see like when your job aligns with your passion it, it almost doesn't feel like work anymore. You're just doing what you love to do. And, and that's how I would describe, like, what Adam and Eve um, were, were called to do that I, I don't think they would, I know they wouldn't see it as work as we see our 9 to 5 job. They were like, all right, Eve, <laughs> Adam, we got to go, work. right, I'm off the work yeah, to no, garden no, no, the weeds, wouldn't. right? Like, <laughs> this poison ivy is going crazy, and... I don't know why God created mosquitoes, and I don't, yeah. know. <laughs> don't worry, there's a flood coming. behind right. <laughs> yeah, we'll make sure they don't get on the boat. Right. Just, yeah, exactly. yeah. Famous last word. Right, that's a good question. Who brought the mosquitoes on the boat? A God so, sent them. God yeah. sent. Them. Yeah, Jeez. He
0: wanted. There's a purpose for mosquitoes. Right. I right. believe it. Hundred
1: percent. Um, but another thing I wanted I wanted to kind of point out too is that um human beings, men and women are, um, are, are very unique. So I I. I think there's a temptation in our society especially as we we are creatures we are created but and this i think comes from Darwinism and, and evolution but we are vastly different than the rest of creation like mm-hmm. i've heard it described like the chasm the <clears throat> difference between us and animals is like the chasm of the grand canyon like it's huge like yeah we're creatures yeah we share some similarities share our dna col- code may be like I've heard it's similar to a banana, but it's like like we, we are vastly, vastly different um, than the rest of creation. And we don't say that in a, in a way of saying, well, we're so different that, we, that it doesn't matter, that we can just, um, how we create cre- creation doesn't matter. It absolutely does matter. Um, but at the same time, we are vastly different. We have the unique ability and capability to communicate with God um, and, and no other part of creation can claim that remarkable privilege of communicating and reasoning, and um, that we, we can reason. We have creativity. We have speech. We have um, then all the other things we've talked about before, love and patience, forgiveness and kindness and faithfulness. Like, we reflect when it says we're creating a God, an image of God, not that God has a body like us, but that we reflect um, God. When we look at chapter 2, and we go into more of this, where God like breathed His spirit into us, like we have a unique connection to God that nothing in all creation has, and um, and this is kind of why, like, when people ask, is my dog or lizard or fish going to be in heaven? I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but I know that we as human beings do have an eternal existence. Um, that is that is very evident that Scripture says that we have. Um, what makes it uniquely human?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. It would have been a lot easier before we had dogs, right? So, uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and I and I a hundred percent agree and, and that's where humanity has been given the image of God, you know, created created us in, in his image. Uh, we are uh, basically, you know, mini mini him <laughs> running right, around. Right. Um, that was the intent. Obviously sin spoiled uh, some aspects of that. But uh, I think humanity is, is granted um, what basically boils down to a soul. Uh, we could go into the, the word spirit here, and I listened to a podcast. that kind of shocked me, saying that uh, the, the, the understanding is that all of creation has God's spirit in it. Um, the word spirit is, is uh, ruach in Hebrew, and, and right. actually can be translated yeah. to be wind, or breath, right. or spirit. Right. And, and that's right. a huge theme Early here in Genesis, every right. time that God breathes life into something, He's giving it His His Spirit. Depending on how you translate the word, in any moment, but humanity is given God's image. It's a set apart. Right. Uh, has a soul. So our our dog's gonna be in heaven. I you know I, I don't want to say no because I think that God loves us enough that He might you know plap our dog right next to us <laughs> just for our own enjoyment for, right. for our own ex- relational experience right. of love with that dog, but. Right. I don't think a dog has the opportunity to earn its way uh, through the grace of God into right. into right. heaven right. in the same sense that a, right.
1: that a person does. Right. Well, let me before you jump to the next point, I think way I think of it, too, is that um, since I just especially since I just got a dog and there's time like last night, I'm I'm working on stuff and the dog just lays next to me. Mm-hmm. And what I would say, it's almost like that is like a heaven like experience that you have an animal, the dog, is just cuddled up next to me and you pet it and it just trusts you. It trusts you to take care of it. It trusts you to provide for it. It trusts you to be friendly to it. And you have this companionship with your dog. I mean, that's why I say a dog's a man's best friend. You know, it's. But imagine that, that trust that you have and that connection that we have with dogs, but with all of creation. Mm. Like with flamingos and lions and gorillas and, and antelope and, you know... Even mosquitoes, you know, so like, <laughs> imagine having that intimate relationship that, hey, you're coming out of your house, and the elephants just walk up to you, and you pet it, and, and you hold, you, you hold it, but you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> or like, the lions come to you, like, and, and not, and not, because we see some of that in our world today, but it's still not in this heaven, like sense where it's gonna be a perfection of, of communication between us and all of creation, I think that's gonna be an absolutely beautiful thing and I think we get a taste of that in, in what we see in pets. We get a taste of how that could look like in heaven. Mm. Um, but I think that that's a really that's really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> to think about.
0: Oh, I absolutely agree. It's a powerful image. I think it I think it will be um, I think it'll be astounding for us after spending our our lives right. in a world that even though it's it has so many beautiful aspects to it, and and God's creation is still glorious, but uh, right. to but to see the it not just visibly and through the five senses, right. but almost in in this, right. this sense of uh, communal perfection right. and, and right. innocence,
1: right. you know, regain
0: its original right. form. Because
1: even in creation now, there's a sense of danger, and yeah. the, the animals have a sense of danger, and we have a sense of danger, like. I'm not gonna walk out in the middle of a jungle at night, you know. Like I know the oh. animals still there. they still want to eat me, you know. So yeah, there's like yeah. there's a sense of danger that won't exist yeah. in heaven, um, yeah. with us and with the rest of creation. So yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> neat. I guess uh, we'll we'll start to wrap things yeah. up here. But uh, the other thing, I guess we can't leave off the seventh day. And one of the, the newer concepts that um, I heard in relation to the seventh day, because we could probably talk about the notion of Sabbath and, and go all over the place with it, maybe we'll make a, a point or two, but uh, a concept that I encountered recently that was pretty neat. Hum- humans created on day six, and obviously eventually they get put to work, right? Uh, they're, <laughs> you know, they get sent to the garden to do their thing, but the the first day, that the full day that, that humanity has here on earth is spent doing exactly what, what God is doing, at least the assumption is that humanity rested alongside God and almost in, in unity with God on day seven. That image isn't something that we process very often. We know that God rested, but we forget about, well, what in the world is the rest of creation doing on day seven? I guess it's just being, it's just existing, it's, right. it's almost... Uh, in this blissful state of existence and, and just uh, uh, finding its its normalcy, its, its rhythm. But uh, the, the idea that humans are created on day six, the, the very first day that we have in existence here, uh, from, from morning to night, we spend resting. And the point that was made when I encountered this was that <clears throat> we are not, as humans, we are not defined by our work, by what we produce, even right. before... Um, before we went out and did a single task in the garden, God looked at us and said we were very good and, right. and he loved us right. immensely. So uh, day, day seven, we're hanging out with God. We're all resting together. Uh, we, our identity is already intact before we've done a single thing. So it's right. not about doing. Right. Life is not about doing. It's about being in right. community with, with God and others and in, in, uh, loving this, this world that we, we're blessed with um it's about day 7 it's that is yeah. that is our community or that's our identity that's that's our worth is is right there in what we imagine happening on day 7 right.
1: that's that's a great way to come here to a close to and um, yeah that's one thing i wanted to point out too is that our value isn't based on our possessions and achievements or physical attractiveness or what we could public acclaim or fame um, but that our values solely based intrinsically as being made in God's image. And, and I, yeah, and I love the Sabbath as, as rest as thinking of God like an artist, like a graffiti artist who steps back and sees the beautiful thing that, that they have put together and I just see if God is just stepping back from his creation and, and, and looking at it. And, and then the Sabbath was used also in Jewish culture as celebration, just celebrating what God had did and, and just worshiping. Um, yeah, Sabbath is completely necessary and very important to the rest of all of creation. So, all right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And we're really looking forward to continuing on the next two chapters in Genesis. It's been fun. And um, we love to see everyone in church. And thank you so much for those who have, who have spoken positively of, of the podcast. We really appreciate that a lot. Um, and again, we can't wait to put the next one out. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon.